Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Well, Ian, we decided to take the Vic Fangio approach to the season review. Uh, we waited a week, uh, a little more than a week. We took some time off from, from talking about the Broncos. We uh, decided to, to hold back a little bit. Now we're going to jump in, and we're going to look back at the season that was and, and kind of go over what it looked like to us, the games, the, the way things shook out, and, and some of the things that could have happened, should have happened, did happen, didn't happen, uh, and, and go from there. So uh, it's, it's time for our Mile High Report Radio season review. And before we get started on that, it's just how refreshing is it to finally have some stability for this organization instead of searching for a quarterback and or searching for a head coach, which was the case last offseason when they were looking for both. And it's been that way for four seasons since Peyton Manning rode off into the sunset with the Super Bowl 50 win. There hasn't been this kind of stability since then. So that is incredibly refreshing. And I, for one, am thankful in this Drew year of 2020 that there is stability at head coach and quarterback. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. No shaking of trees 
right? We're not shaking any trees this year. I'm sure. Uh, I, I'm sure the quarterback search will uh, center around if there is one. Who's going to be the backup? I know I've seen a few things on Twitter about uh, who should be the backup to Drew Locke in, in Drew Thousand Twenty, uh, and I think that uh, you know so I've seen Joe Flacco should be the backup. No, uh, Brandon Allen should be the backup. Probably more likely. Uh, who else is out there? What? Who can you go get? Uh, those kinds of things. But um, we can table that discussion yeah, for exactly. next week's. That's not. Podcast. That's not this show. That is not this show. And so we're going to hold off on that. And we may even have some answers to that by the time we do our next show. So we won't worry about that. But but we are going to break this season down. And and you had a, a great way to break it down. Or I really like the way you worded it because we talked about it previously. So why don't you? Uh, tell everybody how we're going to evaluate or, or look at the 2019 season for the Denver Broncos. So after our NFL wildcard round recap, we talked after the show about how we wanted to break down the season review, about how we wanted to, to talk about it, focus, what focus we wanted to put on it. And you mentioned we we could do it on quarterbacks. We could do the the three quarterback eras, and that that got my mind rolling. And I I thought of oh well here we go. We need to we need to base it off of a word that one of the current Broncos quarterbacks has used on himself back when he was with Baltimore, and that's going to be how we judge the season in terms of the quarter the three quarterback eras for the Broncos. And this is what I came up with: not elite. Elite, meh, and elite. I love it. I absolutely love it. So Joe Flacco, not elite. Brandon Allen, elite, meh. And then Drew Locke, elite. Which, a, a little bit of a, a caveat here, or maybe a you know just a qualifier. We're not saying that Drew Locke is absolutely an elite quarterback. But the Drew Locke era of 2019 was an elite era for the Denver Broncos. Is that is that fair to say? It was an elite Drew Sember. It was. It, it was fun to watch, right? The Drew train rolled along. But let's hold off. It was on an elite Drew train. What's an elite Drew train? Which means that it was a nice, smooth ride. Only one little bump. But we'll 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 come back to the elite version of of the Broncos. To let's, elite levels and beyond. <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. I like that one. That was very good. That was very good. So we're gonna we're gonna go light years backwards though on this one to the not elite era of the Joe Flacco regime. And we're, we're going to talk about the season. And actually, I think what we're really going to talk about is how different this season could have been. There are some moments uh, during Joe Flacco's tenure as the starting quarterback before he got hurt that you could point to and say, if if these three things had happened differently, we would we would be having a completely different discussion right now about this Denver Broncos franchise. And it, it's fascinating to me that that all starts with the very first game against the Oakland Raiders. What if Deshaun Watson catches that touchdown? Right. Or Deshaun or Hamilton. De- or Deshaun Hamilton. Either, either That'd be pretty, it'd be, it'd be pretty remarkable if Deshaun Watson caught that pass from Joe Flacco in Oakland. That would have been um, an amazing catch. He would have had to really run that down. But uh, just imagine if Deshaun Hamilton catches that pass. What happens in terms of that game? Right. Well, it changes the tenor of the game. It changes the way that uh, the Broncos are approaching things. It changes the way the Raiders are approaching things. And I, I think that we discussed it after that game, and, and we've discussed it since then. 
if Deshaun Hamilton catches that ball and they score that touchdown, the, the Denver Broncos likely go on to win that game. They've got the momentum. Uh, everything shifts uh, towards uh, them winning that game, and they start the season off 1-0 and instead of 0-1. And, and, and I think it sort of changes the the feel of not just that game but but the first few games of the season you're going to get a, a very different look from the Denver Broncos and maybe a different attitude so that really that game really did hinge on on that play in particular there there were a few other moments but that's the one that we go back to right when we're doing a a review of that game that's the one that stands out as that moment that really shifted not just that game but maybe the entire season and then you look at the next week against the Bears, and that's one of those four games in the Broncos' 2019 season that stands out. If the call that goes against Bradley Chubb isn't called, the roughing the passer penalty, and even Vic Fangio in his postseason recap news conference with John Elway, he he highlighted it by not highlighting it. And it's... To me, it's still amazing that that was called as a roughing the passer penalty. If that's not called, the Broncos win that game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and not only that, but they should have won the game anyway. We we all, as human beings, gained an extra second on our life because the referees added a magic second out of this thin air. That That play got whistled dead and time had expired, and they put an extra second back on the clock which allowed the Bears to kick a field goal to win that game. Which, I mean, really, without that one second, they win the game anyway. So even even at that point, the Bradley Chubb non-call, as it should have been, doesn't even come into play if the clock is, is run properly or if the referees don't add a magic second out of thin air. So that, that game, to me, had two moments at the very end that really stuck out as moments that again, could have really changed the way that the season went. I mean, we're looking at two games right there. They're 0-2. They could have been 2-0 right there because of those two things. That definitely changes things. The Week 3 game is obviously against the Packers, and it would it would have been a small miracle for the Broncos to go into Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So that went about as everyone expected. The next week against the Jaguars is another game. The Broncos without a roughing the passer penalty on Von Miller, they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting is as we sit here and we talk about these, the the Bears and the Jaguars game, and, and we'll get into some of the others, highlighted an issue that I think the Broncos had at the beginning of the season on defense. And it kind of reared its ugly head a little bit. Uh, the defense was really good at, at bend but don't break. And that sort of played itself out throughout the season. They gave up, uh, they, they were the best, defensive team in the red zone in the NFL, which is great, right? That's one of those things where if you want to go back and look at the numbers on that and, and see how good they were, you can. But what it also signified and what you saw from uh, the Broncos was that bend but don't break mentality allowed teams to gain a lot of yards. And at the end of games with a minute or a minute and a half left, you saw teams getting chunk plays. And then when you add in a penalty, like a roughing the passer penalty that even if it shouldn't have been there, uh, it adds those extra 15 yards and, and you sort of are seeing those movements. That's a problem for the Broncos at the beginning of the season on defense that they played well and 
they still were giving up points because they were giving up field goals, and those field goals at the last second of games were really uh, the thing that hurt. I, I think that's when you take into account all the injuries, uh, Bryce Callahan not playing, uh, the other, Devontae Bosby being injured early in the season, and he was playing incredibly well. I It just, the fact that the defense was able to do what it did over the course of the season is still remarkable to me. To be the number one defense in terms of red zone defense, I mean, I mentioned this on one of the last podcasts, but that is very Orange Crush-esque. Because you could move the ball on the Orange Crush, but you couldn't score points. And that's right. that's a testament to this defense and, and why fans should be excited about what could happen in 2020 with some of the guys that get back from injury, Bryce Callahan, Devontae Bosby, Bradley Chubb, Derek Wolf. I think Derek Wolf will be back. And then you look at the guys that could bring in free agency wise and then the draft, which we can get into next week. But that that is exciting because now they're going to have another year with Vic Fangio. They know what the system is. They know what he wants. They know what the coaches want. I think that that's when we look back on it, there is that stretch in the first four games where they didn't get a sack. And I remember people freaking out about, wow, when we had Wade Phillips, the Broncos were able to get all kinds of sacks. And now Vic Fangio comes in and they don't have any, which didn't end up being a stat that meant anything over the course of the season. And I think how they, how they ended up the season shows that it was a pretty good defensive season for the Broncos. Right. It was, it's funny you mentioned that because there was, uh, there was some hysteria in Broncos country around uh, the lack of sacks. Right. And, and this uh, notion that uh, the defense was no good because they weren't getting to the quarterback when, uh, in truth, they were actually playing quite well, uh, and and even at zero and four, if you look at you know what we just went over there, that zero and four could have very easily been three and one uh, heading into that Chargers game, uh, which they went ahead and won. And I think a lot of fans, myself included, when they when they did go into uh, Los Angeles and beat the Chargers, a, a lot of us probably saw that as a moment of okay, the the team is starting to right the ship, they're starting to figure things out, and they were able to hang on and win that game against the Chargers rather than uh, give up points to, to lose the game. And it looked like that might have been a moment where uh, they had turned things around. And it was, it was a good game. They didn't play a great game. The offense struggled, uh, but they did, they did get the win. And then they followed that up the next week with a win against the, the Titans where they uh, destroyed Marcus Mariota. So, uh, and which... I think that the Titans need to send the Broncos like a gift basket or something because the, the the Broncos are the reason that the Titans made the playoffs because without without destroying Mariota you may not see Tannehill this year so you're you're welcome Tennessee uh, send you know in in lieu of gifts send a donation to some charity or something and it was after that Tennessee game coupled with that one over the Chargers that got both of us thinking. Oh, here they've, we go. Yeah. They, they've righted the ship. Here we go. The defense is rolling. The offense is starting to score points and move the ball down the field. Flacco and Scangarello are going to get their mojo going. And we both thought that the Broncos were going to beat the Chiefs on Monday. On Monday or was it? No, it's Thursday night football. It was a Thursday night week. football game. Yep. And we both thought that the Broncos were going to win that game. And nope. Alas, we don't. <laughs> 
need to talk about it. <laughs> and and nope, that was a that was a rough one. It it really was a a rough game. I I, I do think we should talk about a, a couple of things with that game. One, how disappointing it was that Patrick Mahomes injures himself in that game because Andy Reid's an idiot and continues to prove that every year. And instead of taking advantage of that, the Broncos allowed Matt Moore to uh, kind of rip their soul out at home uh, on a Thursday in a primetime game uh, in front of the whole world. That was that was frustrating. I think that was probably the moment where most Bronco fans resigned themselves to the fact that this was a lost season. There, there were no playoffs in the future, no matter what happened in the next game or two. And so... Uh, you, you know, you, you kind of, I, th- I think every season you, you get to a point where you realize what your team is as a fan. You go, I know, I know what we are getting for some teams. It's the very first game and you know, you're going to have a crap season or, you know, you're going to have a great season for other teams. It takes a little while. I think this was the game where most, most fans in Broncos country went, yeah, this one's over. We, we don't have to worry about the outcome of games anymore. They're not going anywhere. And I was, and still am ticked off because I was at the game and it reminded me of the game in Miami against the Dolphins. Yeah, you can't you need to stop going to games. <laughs> right? I mean, don't, yes. don't. You should still go to games, but They need to stop sucking when I go to the games. Yeah, this is not on you. This is on them. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And then uh, the next week they play the Colts um, and you get another one of those close games with a, with a, a last second field goal to win it. For the Colts, and you you just you got to shake your head again. the 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 fascinating thing about all this, those close games that we're talking about, uh, the most points that they gave up in those close games was twenty six to the Jaguars. I mean, fifteen points to the Colts, and they lose. They gave up sixteen points to the Bears, and they lost. What you're seeing here, and I know I talked about this a little bit, what you're seeing here is a defense that's doing its job, and an offense that just just wasn't just wasn't wasn't able to really pull things together. Uh, and perhaps the best thing about this Colts game was that this is where we get a change in quarterback eras because the Joe Flacco era ends. We are no longer not elite. We are now elite meh. And that, to go back to that Colts game, there was also that non-holding penalty okay. on Derek Wolf in the end zone, which would have been a safety. So who knows how that game goes. But those four games... Those are the four close games that that Broncos fans can go back to and say, what if they win those four games? Because we've had this discussion a couple of times, and we've even had it on the podcast. What happens if two of those games go differently? Well, two of those games go differently. They're in the playoffs because they had the win over the Titans. They have the head-to-head matchup over the Titans. So they're in the playoffs. That means that we don't see Drew Locke. So... Would you really want that to happen? Would you really want, if everything stays the same, Joe Flacco still gets hurt. Although I mentioned before we started recording, if he does get hurt, they probably don't put him on IR and bring him back later in the season for the playoff run. Still, we don't see Drew Locke. If if they win two of those four games, if anything goes different in those four games in two of them, we never see Drew Locke. There is no Drew Sember. There is no Drew Year 2020. Uh, I believe it's Drew 1020. I'm going to try and coin that right now. Next season is Drew 1020, the Drew 1020 season. Can we 
Can we get that rolling? Probably not. I'm sure someone will tweet at me how stupid that is because it probably is stupid. That's fine. The I, 2020 I, Drew Train. There you go. I, I think your 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 point is is well made here. Um, and the question is is a fascinating one. Would you, as as a Broncos fan, and, and I'd love to hear from other people on this, and, and this maybe is something that uh, would be great to kind of get a poll going or something. Would you, as a Broncos fan, sacrifice what we got out of Drew Locke this year in those five games to have uh, those close games go a different way and have the Broncos make the playoffs and potentially play the Patriots in Foxborough in that in that divisional round playoff. I mean that that or wild card round playoff. Excuse me. That is really kind of an, an interesting thought. There, would you sacrifice what you got from Drew Locke this year and what you found out about him to go to the playoffs in 2019? No, hell no, no, no. I'm, there's that Tracy Morgan gif where he's in the car and he's like, no, 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 no. nope. Nope, no, nope, mm-mm, nope, mm-mm, nope, 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 no, hell no, hell right? no, no. <laughs> or you could go Michael Scott at the office. Nope, don't like that. No, no, no. And I'm not going to do the no. Oh, I did it. You did it. So, you did it. Yeah, yeah, so no. I, li- no. I like the one where he goes, nope. Don't like that. That's that's probably the one I would go to as far as as far as gifts go. But uh, yeah, I, it's it's fascinating because we're talking about making like three changes to the season and having them make the playoffs and your take on it. And and I think it's a, a an interesting take. I'm not sure where I honestly I can't even tell you how I would come down on this. If I was going to vote on it, like on a Twitter poll, I'd probably sit there for a while and I'd hover over one answer for a little bit. And then I'd hover over the other answer for a little bit. And then I'd hover over the other answer for a little bit. And then I'd probably just scroll by and not even vote. Cause my, my brain would be like, that's too hard. Just keep going. You can scroll past it and never think about it again. Like, all right, that's what I'll do. But your take is no, you want, you want the season to play out the way that it did because you want to get to Drew Sember. You want to see what can happen with Drew Locke and your rookie quarterback. You want those things to happen. And I think that's an interesting take. I, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. But at the same time, my my heart still wants the team to make the playoffs. You know, there's that that tug and and pull there that you're you're sort of fighting with, uh, and that but, goes that goes back to short term gain, selfish short term gain instead of long term success. Right. They're not going to do anything if they make the playoffs. They're not going to go into New England and beat the Patriots. They don't have the type of game offense, offensive line. They don't have Derrick Henry. They're not going to be able to do what the Titans did. So what you're doing is you're just what they've done the last four years. They're just kicking the can down to the future with no hope. There's no path. There's no compass to get on that path because you still have no idea what you have in Drew Locke. And they're still going to go with Joe Flacco. Instead of heading into the 2020 season with Drew Locke, you're heading into the 2020 season with Joe Flacco. And Drew Locke is supposedly your backup, but you you don't know what he is because he probably sat on IR all season. That's that's the other thing that you have to remember. He ends up sitting on IR. He sees no action all season at that point. And so uh, I, I think you're right. I, you know, the more you think about it, the, if you really do focus on what's best for the franchise moving forward, losing those games and eventually losing Joe Flacco, getting rid of Joe Flacco, so to speak, is is probably what's best. But th- but then you do get. A couple of fun games with Brandon Allen, who 
you know, fills in pretty admirably for a couple games, gets a win against the Browns. Good for him, right? He can say as a, a starting quarterback in the NFL, he's won a game. And uh, that was a fun game to watch. <laughs> no, Miles Garrett didn't try and kill anybody in that game, so that's good. And and then he goes and they lose to the Vikings in pretty epic fashion. And that's another one of those close games that if it goes different, they could potentially be in the playoffs and we don't see Drew Locke. So I'm thankful that they didn't go into Minneapolis and beat the Vikings. And then, of course, we know what happens in Buffalo, which is what basically spearheads Drew Sember because then we know what happens over the next five games. We're not going to remember one of them because I've already blocked it out of my mind. I don't know when it was or it where was the, it was. It was the Chiefs game. It was at Arrowhead. It was on December 15th, and it was it was ugly. It was snowy. It was a fluke game. In fact, I, I think that's a game that's that's important to remember because it was such a fluky game. And it didn't um, – I don't think it, it proved anything about any one player on, on the Broncos or – or scream that the Chiefs were that much better. I do think the snow sort of magnified the problems that the Broncos had, offensive line, uh, certain issues in the secondary with speed and that kind of thing. But it also was such a fluky game that you can you can remember it and go, yeah, but that game didn't matter because of the snow and the, the you know the, the weather was funky. It was on the road. Uh, you got a rookie quarterback. The team really wasn't wasn't prepared for that game. Did it matter? No, it did not. The, the game I think that's important to really look at is that Broncos-Texans game when the Broncos went into Houston and they they stomped the Texans in that first half. And they scored 38 points in that game and it was, it was the most points they scored in a thousand years. It had been 84 years since they put up any any real points. And that was a fun game to watch. And, I, and, and that was the potential game, right? That was the game that you went, whoa. Drew Locke has real potential here. And and that was the one that was the eye opener to me. Yeah, that was that was the eye test game. If 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 what you if you base what you view football on with an eye test as as I do and as you do, that was the eye test game. That was the game that wow, this kid can do it. This kid has some potential. And that's that's where you started to hear the Brett Favre comparisons and I I think that's that's what makes it so exciting because and I'll even add the Lions game after that after the Kansas City game because that's the first time that he's lost. And how does he respond to a loss? And he came out and played pretty well. He he actually he, he didn't do anything spectacular, but he didn't do anything that made you think that he can't do it. And that's basically what you want to see out of a rookie. And it, I just I, I love the way that he carries himself. I love his confidence. I love his swag because it's not its not arrogant. It's just he knows he can do it, but he also knows he has to put in the work. And I think that's, to me, that's, that's so huge of the self-awareness because the last time the Broncos had a, a first-round high-draft pick quarterback, he had no self-awareness. He still has no self-awareness. Drew Locke gets it. And he has it, and that's what's so exciting. If he can, whether he'll that'll continue into 2020, we'll find out. But I think what you can what you can bank on is that he is going to work his ass off to make sure that he is the quarterback for this future 
or the, the quarterback for this franchise for the next 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. And then the nice thing about the way the season ended is they really capped the season off with a win against the Raiders. And the last thing the Oakland Raiders ever did was lose to the Denver Broncos, which is something that I am ecstatic about. And I, as, as, are I, you. as I am, <laughs> F the Raiders. That's right. I mean, it's one of those things. They can go play in their toilet bowl in Las Vegas now for all I care. Because Las Vegas. Las Vegas, that's right. Because because the way that they went out as the Oakland Raiders was in very fitting fashion. And I just wish Tom Jackson had been there to run over to somebody. I don't care who it would have been and just said it's over fat man. I it, it, I know John Gruden's not fat, but that would have been a, a nice thing to have Tom Jackson Although, run out there and do that. I, as I was watching the game at my in-laws house in Rapid City, South Dakota, it really looked like he's on the Andy Reid diet. It really does seem like John Gruden is starting to find, expand. Find a few extra helpings every meal. He, he's one of those guys when he goes to Del Frisco and he's he's asked what cut of meat he wants. He says yes. Oh, Del Frisco. That's a, gr- that's a great reference. I'm glad you brought up Del Frisco. That's good stuff. Um, well, that's actually what Andy Reid did in Philadelphia. I, I know. Oh. Uh, it's, a great, it's a great story. I, I love that story because it is Andy Reid to a T. So the Broncos end the season seven and nine. They miss the playoffs, but they come out of the season, I think, with the most uh, momentum they have had since they won the Super Bowl in 2015, at the end of the 2015 season. And and to me, as a fan, we've talked about this sort of ad nauseum, but we, we can't, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it again. This is the most hopeful we have been as fans in a very long time. And I, and I really like that. I, I, that makes me feel good. I like it because they're no longer kicking the can. And as I mentioned earlier, if they somehow make the playoffs, they're continually kicking the can. They're not in this position. They're not primed for future success. They're primed for right now success. And that's what's so exciting. They they finally have the path. They finally have the compass to get this franchise back to long-term sustainable success. And it goes back to the head coach and it goes back to quarterback. And the thing that it does now, and we've mentioned this numerous times before, but it bears repeating, the fact that they have a quarterback, even if it's just for 2020, but I think it's for 2020 and beyond, it allows them to improve the franchise in all the other areas that needs to be improved. And I don't think it's really that drastic But they do need to fill holes on the offensive line, on the defensive line, secondary. I think they need – John Elway mentioned this. They're going to get a speed receiver. Benjamin Albright, I I can say it and we can talk about this more, but he has said that they are going to get a speed receiver with their pick. Well, and and that's that's something that when we do get into the draft and we start to talk about – uh, the needs of the Denver Broncos and, and can they back up the this these last couple of drafts that have been pretty good? Uh, where are they going to go? And I think that's a, an interesting direction to go. Uh, I want to I want to um, take us backwards though just a little bit. I want to ask you a question: Do you have a play of the season? Like, do you have? I was just thinking about it. we were going through all these games and we were talking about some of the some of the plays that we saw. Is there a play that stands out in your mind as the play of the season? I have one. I, I think there there's a couple that come to mind. 
I think it's Drew Locke's first two touchdown passes. I think both of those, and especially the second one, because that was a cannon against the Chargers. The, right. the, the first one, I, I loved it because at, after the game, we find out that he's the one who, who changed it to that to that route and told Cortland Sutton to just basically do a, do a go route and just go get it. And it was a perfect pass, but an even more greater catch. But that second one, I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, you could go, go with that first pass against the Texans that people are still debating if it was luck or not to know a fan. And I just think it was a good throw. Yeah. I, I thought that was a, a great throw. Um, you know, I, you kind of took mine, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. To, to me, it was the touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton, uh, which was the, the catch of the year, uh, in my opinion. The, the, that, that play itself, I think, could have been maybe the offensive play of the year just in general. The way that uh, you describe it, the way that he, uh, he said to Cortland Sutton, go, right? Here, <laughs> run a go route. Let's make it happen. And then he put that ball in the perfect place. And Cortland Sutton made the perfect catch. That everything about that play was perfection, and that to me was the the jumping off point. from From that point forward, there was something about this this kid who was taking over the franchise and becoming the the offensive face. Right? I think people are excited because you've got Philip Lindsay in place, you've got Cortland Sutton in place, you've got You've got some. You've got some some players, right? You've got some guys in place. You just needed a quarterback, and he can be that quarterback. So, along with Von Miller being the face of the franchise on the defensive side of the ball, this is the moment I think you see Drew Locke starting to step into the role of, I'm the guy. I'm the guy on offense that that's going to lead this team, and and with all the weapons that they have currently, and the ability to add some weapons in the future that are going to make this team better. We've talked about the pendulum a lot. The pendulum is swinging back in the Broncos' direction, and it's it's really it's 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 that play that sort of stands out to me. And I'll I'll, I'll throw in another one: the decision by Vic Fangio to have Drew Locke go deep to Cortland Sutton against the Chargers and draw that defensive pass interference call when a lot of people thought that since the game was tied that they'll just take a knee and go into overtime. And Fangio's like, no, let's, let's go out and win it. I love that. I loved it, that it, sh- it showed faith in his, in his rookie quarterback. It showed faith in Cortland Sutton to go out and do it. And they did it. And I, I love that, especially in his first game to have that kind of, of trust and faith that Drew Locke is going to be able to execute that. And then there's two other moments that really stand out to me. One is coming out of halftime and Drew Locke is on the sideline rapping young Jeezy. And then after that game, he's quoting Will Ferrell from Talladega Nights. <laughs> That's great. That really was great. I, I, the, there, there is something to be said about uh, the attitude that he has. And, and it's maybe it's cliche, but I think you see it from, if you look at some of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, there's that word again. And you look at the way that they approach things with the media and the way that they act on the sideline. They are loose. They are. They have fun. 
They, I mean, you can look. You don't need to look any further than Peyton Manning. He was very good with the media, very savvy. Watch his commercials. You, you know how you know how it was. Uh, and I'm not saying that Drew Locke is comparable to Peyton Manning in, in that way that he's like the greatest quarterback of all time. But what I am saying is that Drew Locke is comparable to Peyton Manning and to Aaron Rodgers and to some of those other guys in the way that they present themselves and the way that they hold themselves and carry themselves. And and that's what you're talking about, right? That's that's the the attitude that you're talking about. His willingness to throw out uh you know a Talladega Knights quote during during a press conference just to throw it out there. There's no there's no real context to it. It's just a a, a little like a little drop in the bucket of here I'm this cool. You know, I'm also this cool. I'm going to do a little rap into some young Jeezy. I'm also this cool. I'm going to tell the second-year receiver to run the go route, even though that's not the play that's called, and I'm going to hit him for a touchdown. He's cool. And I think he has the that it factor that you have to have to be a successful starting quarterback in the NFL. And to close this off, the other reason that it's so exciting to show that he gets it is he's going to be talking to two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. He said this in his final news conference on that Monday after the Raiders game. And he said that he's going to be talking to Peyton Manning. And depending on on the rules, he'll talk to John Elway when he can and not break the CBA. But he's going to be talking to Peyton Manning. And the other thing that he did is he said that he is going to find out the best time to get together with his receivers and do those workouts that Peyton Manning was known for. I, I'm reminded of when they went down to Duke and all of his receivers were, were without shirts on, even Wes Welker, who had a little bit of a, a beer gut. That's okay. But that, to me, that, that's awesome. That, that shows that he he wants to put in the work, that he wants to do it, that he wants to be great, which is what you want out of a quarterback. That's a good place for us to go ahead and, and take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, look at the upcoming playoff games and do a little hoping that the Chiefs will find a way to lose. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. So as we mentioned on the last podcast, Adam, at least we're not going to be a split fan base in rooting for the Chiefs to beat the Patriots. Now we can all be normal people and root for the Chiefs to lose. Normal fans, right? Just normal Bronco fans living in Broncos country, uh, not not Bronco world or Bronco nation. Have you seen that recently? Just I'm sorry, tangent here. Bronco uh, land. Yeah, Bronco land a few times. I've seen Bronco nation a few times. I hate that one. Wait, wait. 
how is it that, and this is, I'm talking about Denver media people. How is it that you're a Denver media person and you don't know that it's Broncos country? How, somebody needs to start correcting these people. There needs to be harsh punishment. That is just a, a little bit of a tangent there, but I'm just, I'm just tired of it. Bronco land sounds like a ride. It does. Like we're going to, you know, go on a ride and it'll, we'll go for a drive and then someone will force a fumble, right? Something, something like that along those lines. <laughs> just. Just go through all the great moments in Broncos history. I don't. I don't mean this to be disparaging to a former quarterback of the Denver Broncos, but it really does sound like something Tim Tebow would say. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? He'd be like really excited about it and happy, and he'd be like, well, "Here we are in Bronco Land, you guys, and we're gonna win." And be like, "Okay, Timmy, just calm down a little bit, buddy. You're, you're, you're too hyped up." and and selfish but that's neither here nor there because it would have been about him that's the way he did things i hated that guy i really did well we talked about it we watched Taysom hill and tim tebow could have been Taysom hill maybe not as good he actually he might have even been better i I, I mean here's what i will say for tim tebow he was a great athlete he probably still is a great athlete and he was Filled with potential as a football player. He was a great football player, but he didn't have a position on the field because the only thing he was willing to do was be a quarterback. And a guy like Taysom Hill knows that the only way he sticks in the league is by taking on a Taysom Hill role. And he was willing to do that because he wanted to stay in the NFL and it was important to him to be a team player and prove that he could be successful. Whereas Tim Tebow, I think had enough success at the college level that he thought he could just sort of ride that. And he did for a little while. And then eventually it got to the point where, yeah, I mean, you, you throw a great bounce pass, but this is the NFL, not the NBA. So that's not going to do anybody any good. And if he had, if he had checked his, if he had been a little more humble about things, you're absolutely right. He could have been Taysom Hill. And I think he could have been a better Taysom Hill, but he was um, not willing to check his, check his humility right not not willing to check his arrogance at the door and now we're going to get all kinds of negative reviews Good. for bashing tim tebow bring them screw that guy that's what this I. this bashing about of that. tim tebow is brought to you by the mr mhr radio podcast that's right <laughs> proudly now, proudly back, back here's what i am hoping for this weekend i'm hoping that this stat continues to be the case okay that over the last 25 years the kansas city chiefs have as many playoff wins at Arrowhead Stadium as the Denver Broncos. I hope that is still the case come Sunday afternoon. That would be the hope. That would be the goal. That is what we are all rooting for. Uh, and I, I I don't know if we're going to get into predictions. I don't know that that's a... Uh, I think um, we should absolutely predict what's going to happen. All right, well, we'll, we'll do that. And, and maybe what we do is we'll save our predictions for that game to the end, and we'll actually go through the playoff games because there's some good games this week. Uh, Minnesota at San Francisco after Minnesota uh, interferes its way to a, a win in New Orleans. Uh, oh, I see then, what you did there. Uh, thank you. And then Tennessee uh, will take on Baltimore, and we'll see if Derrick Henry can run uh, run through the Baltimore defense like he did to New England, uh, and if the Tennessee defense can hold Lamar Jackson in check. And then on Sunday, you start with the Houston-Kansas City game, which we will definitely get into. And then the last game of the week is perhaps the most exciting game, as you said before we started here, uh, Seattle and Green Bay. 
I think what's interesting about the first game that kicks off divisional weekend in the Bay Area is you have the Shanahan system against the Shanahan system. Yeah. You have Kyle Shanahan going against Gary Kubiak. I wonder if they'll like exchange notes or something or call each other and just say hello. Do you think that will interfere in any way with how the game is played? No, I think this is uh, at this point it's just strap it on and may the best team win. And I, I think the 49ers are the best team, but I won't rule out the Vikings. I think the the one there is something that the 49ers are going to get back defensively, which they haven't had, I think, most of the season, and that's linebacker Quan Alexander. Yeah. I mean, that yes. defense is already really, really, really good. And now they've had a week to rest to get healthy and to get right after that brutal schedule that they had of going against Baltimore, going against Seattle, going against the Saints, then going against Seattle again. They've had some time to get healthy, and they're going to be at home. And I, I think the 49ers are going to be they're going to ready win. to go. Yeah, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have his boys ready to go. You know, it's interesting you say that. My, my son, who is, you know, he's at that age now where he's just into all of it, right? He's finally kind of got to the point in, in his – in his life at, at seven years old where he wants to watch every single game. Uh, and he, and he is always asking me, who, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl? Who's going to win this game? Who's going to win that game? And he, he asks me all the time, who's going to win this and who's going to be in the Super Bowl? And the team that I keep coming back to in the NFC and I, and I'm back and forth a lot, but the team I keep coming back to is the San Francisco 49ers. And it's because of their defense more than anything else. And getting back Quan Alexander is exactly the reason why I feel confident in making that pick right now, and why I'm 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 very willing to say that I think that they handle the Minnesota Vikings and and are able to take care of Dalvin Cook, which was a problem for the Saints, right, and has been a problem for other teams throughout the season. I think they handle Dalvin Cook, and the game ends up being on the on the right arm of Kirk Cousins, which is exactly where you want it if you are rooting against the Vikings. And so I, th- I think the I think San Francisco is able to win that game. They're also going to be getting a pass rusher back that they haven't had, and that's D Ford. So it, he was limited in practice on, on Tuesday. We'll see whether or not once Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday come around where he is on the practice report. But if they're able to get another pass rusher opposite Joey Bosa or what what's the other Bosa's name? Uh Nick Bosa. Nick. Nick that's Joey's right. his brother in, in, in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Yeah. Nick so, is so to have we're talking another about. to have a veteran pass rusher like D Ford, which is going to be a benefit, is going to be huge. I think offensively too, the 49ers are they're able to do some things that I think will be able to confuse that Vikings defense. But the the game plan that Mike Zimmer put forth defensively against the Saints. I think that's one of the reasons, as I mentioned on the podcast, I, I said that Drew Brees and the Saints offense looked like poop for more for most of the game. That was a testament to Mike Zimmer and that defense. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I think uh you have to um you do have to take that into consideration. I, I know that San Francisco is probably not offensively as good as the Saints. And I don't have any problem saying that, but I also would tell you that Emmanuel Sanders was a pretty big lift to them as far as when they made that trade and they got him uh, into the mix. And Debo Samuel is is somebody who 
is going to be tough for the Vikings to cover. And they've got that running back tandem of or threesome or whatever your trio uh, of Breda, Mostert, and uh, and Coleman. There's there's a lot of weapons there. You can't forget about George Kittle. And and you've that's, thank you for reminding me of of possibly the reason why I am a a double champion this year in fantasy football. Just wanted to make sure we mentioned that again. Uh, George Kittle is is that weapon that. He just refuses to get tackled. He refuses to go down. He refuses to lose. He's. I just think they're a better all-around team, and I think they're able to pull out this win. Uh, that's just I, my I, opinion. I think it all goes back to the 49ers defense. I think the 49ers defense is better than the Saints. Yeah. And I think yeah. I, I think they're gonna, Robert Saleh, the, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, is going to do everything he can to limit Delvin Cook and, as you said, put it on Kirk Cousins because – that's how you beat the Vikings is you make Kirk Cousins throw the football. And then if, if you, with that secondary and those linebackers who are able to make plays on the ball, like they are that they, I mean, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think that the 49ers are going to blow out the Vikings by any means, but I do think that the, that the 49ers are going to win this game. I agree. I, I do agree with that. And then in the second game uh, on Saturday, you get to Tennessee who is coming off a huge win against the Patriots in Foxborough. Uh, up against the number one seed in the Baltimore Ravens. And this game will probably be, I think, closer than most people are going to predict. But I, I think the outcome is is going to be exactly what everybody is thinking. I think what is going to be very interesting is the, the the blueprint is out there to to slow down Derrick Henry. And he is he's a machine. I love watching him run the football. And he's going to be a free agent this year. So to segue... Do you want the Broncos to potentially go after a guy like Derrick Henry? Sure, why not? Although it's not my money. I, I think the, the the key to this game is do Dean, the, the former Ravens defensive coordinator Dean Pease and the Titans, are they going to be able to slow down, stop, contain Lamar Jackson, which hasn't happened for what? 12 week the last 12 13 weeks of the regular season it just doesn't happen right it's a it's a fluke when it does happen and there's there there is tape right i i think the 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 browns were the only team that really was able to um to do anything as far as stopping lamar jackson in that offense and and uh and then uh the second time they played lamar jackson and the and the baltimore ravens destroyed the browns so you, you got to wonder on that one I just don't think I don't think that there is a team out there right now that has anybody who can can stop the weapon that is Lamar Jackson and and not because he's just fast but because he's he's fast and he's got great vision and and that's something we've talked about a lot with like a, with a guy like Philip Lindsay that's one of the things I love about Lindsay is his vision his ability to see the field and find the open areas and exploit those. And Lamar Jackson does the same thing. And it's not just exploiting them with his legs, but he also does it with his arm. And he finds open receivers when they weren't open before, but because he's extended the play, now they're open. And he's one of those players that's so dynamic that eventually defenses are just going to lose him. They're they're just not going to be able to contain him. So you might even see Tennessee play well against Baltimore for the first half of the game. But by the time the second half rolls around, Lamar Jackson is going to break out and he's going to put points on the board and that offense is going to score. And and let's not forget how important 
Mark Ingram has been to that offense as well. Having that run game that they can go to, having a guy like him who can control the football allows Lamar Jackson to be the quarterback that he is, allows him to be as dynamic as he is. I just don't think Tennessee will be able to contain them for a long enough period of time to get the win. I don't care how many yards Derrick Henry has. And I I was leading into this, and I I distracted myself by talking about Dean Pease. But when I was talking about Derrick Henry, there's a blueprint to stop him, and it comes from the Broncos' defense. Yes, it does. Because the Broncos' defense shut down Derrick Henry. And former Broncos coach Don Wink Martindale can look at his former team and see the blueprint to stop Derrick Henry. And it, it it's not really groundbreaking stuff on how you stop Derrick Henry, but you have to get pressure up the middle to make sure that he doesn't get rolling. Because if he gets rolling, if he's not touched by the time he gets the off, to the offensive line, he's going to pick up at least five yards. And it, it seemed like against the New England Patriots, he was getting eight to 11 yards per carry. The way to do that is to get pressure up the middle. And I think that's what's going to be the key for this Ravens defense is to have Domitapeco and some of their the defensive linemen trying to do everything they can to get to Derrick Henry before he gets rolling. But right. I do think I do think the Ravens are going to win this game, and I actually don't think it'll be close. Well, I know you're predicting a lot of blowouts this weekend, as, as we recall from, from our last show. Uh, I do think the other aspect of Derrick Henry that is is impressive, once he gets to the second level, he's he's near impossible to bring down. He he runs angry and he will knock you down to keep going. I mean, he's 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 a vicious runner and if he gets to the second level, he's into the defensive backfield, you might as well just lay down cuz he's going to crush you. That's just what's going to happen. He's the size of Von Miller. Yeah, it's, that's it's, how big Derrick Henry is. He's Von Miller as a running back. He's huge. That is insane. He's he's a faster version of Von Miller, which is a, another thing that's insane to think that somebody can be faster than Von Miller at that size is is incredible. So uh, there is that. All right. So then we get to our Sunday games. Let's go ahead and jump into Sunday. But but I'm going to ask you: Do you want to start with the early game, or do you want to finish with that game and go with the late game for your predictions? Let's let's go with the late game first. So, okay. so Seattle that, at Green the, Bay. The Rainy City Bitch Pigeons at the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Seattle at Green Bay. That's just to make sure everybody knows. Uh, I, I don't know. You got a prediction? I, I'll let you go first. I think this is actually going to be the closest game of the weekend. I, I think Seattle just – they're one of those teams like the Giants uh, on one of their Super Bowl runs where they won all their games on the road as a wild card team. I think the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, I, I, may, I, may, I may be wrong about that, but they have with that defense and Russell Wilson, as I've said before, is what I think is the closest thing to John Elway in the National Football League right now because he can he'll just strap a team on his back and make it happen. It is just, it's remarkable. Even on third and 15, Russell Wilson can pick up first downs. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, but I think it's a different beast to go into Lambeau Field. I think it's, it's a lot like Arrowhead Stadium in December. Only the Packers win in January. So I I think called the Lombardi Trophy. 
and I and I think the the Green Bay Packers have a better defense than the Philadelphia Eagles, and Aaron Rodgers is infinitely better than Josh McCown. So I, I think I, I do think the Packers are going to end up winning this game, but it will be very interesting if the Seahawks go into Lambeau Field and win, and you get the NFC Championship game of the 49ers and the Seahawks, giving the two games that we've gotten earlier this season, and they won on each other's field. That will I, I think that's the one game I don't think the 49ers want. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. They would much rather see. Green Bay, they would much rather uh, just just you know just worry about playing playing a team that that they think that they have a, a better defense than and that they think that their offense can can sort of carry the day than have to worry about playing the Seattle Seahawks who are familiar with them in ways that other teams just are not. Uh, I I actually think that Seattle wins this game. I I think you you said something that that is the most important part of this, and that is who Russell Wilson is right now. Russell Wilson is John Elway when it comes to carrying teams. And essentially, they're going to go one more game. I think Russell Wilson carries the Seattle Seahawks past the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, and I think they get the win. I think it's close. I think you're right. This is the closest game of the week, but I think they're able to pull it out, probably a last-second field goal or, or something like that. That was actually what I – I think that's what happens. I just think it's the Packers who get – the last second you're, field you're goal, but it could, it's Mason Crosby kicking the last second field goal and not Josh. Former Myers. CU buff, yeah, Mason former CU Crosby. Buff. You know, I watched him kick the that sixty was a sixty yarder uh, at Folsom. I was standing right there. It was, it, it, That's how long Mason Crosby has been in the national. Yeah, football I was. World. I was still at school at CU uh, at school in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> I was there. I just wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. That's all right. That's a that's a podcast for another day. But I do think I think the Seattle Seahawks are able to pull this one out. They're they're your road, uh, they're your road winning team this week, in my opinion. And I, and I could totally see the the bitch pigeons winning this game. I, I could I totally see it. I I have mad respect for Pete Carroll, mad respect for for Russell Wilson. I I just think going into to Lambeau Field in January is is a completely different beast and. I think people are underestimating this Packers team. They were thirteen and three for a reason. I, I agree. It, it's not. It, it's not just a fluke that they were able to get it. And I, it, being an underdog at home in Green Bay, which I think some people may view that as odd as it is, I think they'll use that as motivation. I, but I do think it, it, it could go either way. This is one of those flip them games. Yeah, we're just we just happen to be on different different. I'm heads, your tails, or something like that. Uh, and, and tails never fails. Oh no, wait, I'm I'm tails. Shoot, I messed that up. It's okay. You can be tails. It's fine. Uh, and then the last game that we're gonna talk about is obviously the Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Arrowhead Stadium. Like you mentioned, it's a game in January uh, where apparently. The Chiefs don't win games at Arrowhead Stadium in January. So, I mean, I guess the prediction sort of uh, sells itself here, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I told you before we even started recording, even if I thought the Chiefs were going to win this game, I still wouldn't pick the Chiefs to win this game. And the Texans beat the Chiefs. I get it. It was in the middle of the regular season, but it was in Kansas City. They didn't have – I don't believe they had J.J. Watt. No, they didn't. I think he had. I think he, I think he had torn his. Yeah. I think he had torn his pec by that point. So he's going to be back for a second time, 
And he's one of those Von Miller players who can he can wreck a game. J.J. Watt can wreck a game as long as he's healthy. I agree. The, the, the issue that you're going to run into is, is the Kansas City Chiefs defense is much improved and has been very good the, down the stretch. And that's going to be a problem for the Texans and Deshaun Watson. But I struggle betting against Deshaun Watson. He is a absolutely a, he is a big game quarterback. He has proved it at every stage, at every level. This is his opportunity. And I I, I believe that this is uh for him an opportunity to sort of put his stamp on a season, uh put his stamp on the league in a way that uh he hasn't had the opportunity to do in his career yet. And I, I know that Patrick Mahomes is the sensation. I know that he's the guy that everybody looks at and he, you know, he threw for you know, a million touchdowns last year and they were very good uh, offensively. And, and this year they, they seem like a better team. But when I look at the Houston Texans and I, and I, I sort of give them uh, a little bit of an edge at quarterback because I know Deshaun Watson is a winner. I've seen him win. I, I've, I've watched him win. And yes, I, I also know that they can lose games pretty badly like they did to the Broncos. But this is a this is a game where if you're Deshaun Watson, you have an opportunity to announce your presence with authority. And this would be a, a great game to do that. I believe he does. I believe the Houston. I, I'm not predicting this just because I hate the Chiefs. I actually see the Texans going in and getting a win here because of Deshaun Watson and, and his ability as a quarterback to just win games. Wow, you threw me for a loop because you you said that you thought the Chiefs were going to win this game. So, yeah, I, I mean, I everyone sort of, knows what I'm going to do. I, I mean, I sort of talked myself into it, to be honest. I finally, I was kind of going. I was like, I can't, I can't pick the Chiefs. <laughs> I think one of the things that I, I get it that the Chiefs' defense has been playing better, but that Bills' defense is really, really good, and I would argue is better than the Chiefs' defense. And look at what Deshaun Watson did in the second half. And I think when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and whether or not they get Will Fuller back, which I think is huge for the Texans offense, just in terms of who do you focus on if you're Steve Spagnolo and the Chiefs secondary. But they also have a running game. They have Carlos Hyde. They have Duke Johnson. They're able to run the football. I think one of the things that's going to be important is, and we touched on this before we started recording is the ineptitude at head coach. I think this is a matter of which head coach doesn't F it up for their team the most. Right. Well, I mean, we talked about you have two guys who are going to try to outdo each other in terms of Bill O'Brien and Andy Reid. They are going to try to outduel themselves in making stupid mistakes as a coach in terms of game and clock management. Absolutely. So whoever limits it will probably win this football game. Yeah, I mean, Bill O'Brien tried so hard to lose uh, to the Bills by not kicking that field goal. It, he it, that was Andy Reid esque. It was Andy Reid two point and and then Sean McDermott had Andy Reid three point by right. not punting on fourth down. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of Andy Reid going around, almost like it's a disease or something. You should maybe stay away from Andy Reid or don't go on the Andy Reid diet at least. I I don't know, but uh, yeah, the, I I I just I. I can't I can't pick against Deshaun Watson the more that I think about it. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't say I would also be incredibly excited to see Lamar Jackson against Deshaun Watson 
in the AFC Championship game. It, they played an epic college football game several years ago. Several. It was like, what, three, four years ago now? I, I would love to see that in the AFC Championship game. So this, to me, is, is one of those games that it seems illogical. It seems like a bad choice. I'm picking the Texans. And I'm picking the Texans, too, because I will never pick the Chiefs. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.